0: Aloha, New Hope. Here we are at the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration Building, better known as the NOAA Building, and we are continuing our series of Rediscovering Christmas. Just as Joseph and Mary had to leave the comforts of their home to see everything that God wanted to do in the birth of Jesus Christ, every week during this series, we're going somewhere new to try and take a look back into the Christmas story with fresh eyes. And I really want us to learn to live wondrous, during this Christmas season. What what does it mean to be wonderstruck? Well, the definition is experiencing a sudden feeling of awe, delight, or wonder, that you and I would stand in awe of creation, of God and everything that he's doing in our life. You see, if we aren't careful, we end up living our Christianity as business as usual. If we aren't careful, we end up going through the motions. We end up ignoring our emotions instead of meeting the God who splits the oceans. And if if we aren't careful, we end up in the place where the people are in the book of Isaiah. At the top of your notes here, it says in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, with their hearts, They're far from me. They're going through the motions. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Therefore, once more, what's his response to that when you and I are going through the motions? He doesn't throw us away. He doesn't turn his back on us. Look at what he does. Once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder the wisdom of the wise will perish the intelligence of the intelligent will vanish i love the idea that our god says i am bursting forth i'm going to show you myself in brand new ways i want you to remember how big i am isn't that what you and i want this christmas I remember, do you remember how you felt as a little kid walking out on Christmas morning and the presents are under the tree and the tree is all lit up? I mean, you, what did you feel? You were wonderstruck. You were in awe, right? What about, I don't think there's a, a date night that goes by where I don't look at my wife Cindy and go, God. I don't deserve this. I'm thankful that God must have struck her like half blind or something to marry me. But I'm honestly, I'm wonderstruck every time I look at her and go, wow, she's actually mine. Maybe we need a little bit more of that in our marriage. What about when you held your first child in your hands and that, that new baby smell? No, not the smell that comes after that, but, you know, that first smell when they're just, there's, there's nothing like that in the world. I remember holding Elijah and my first baby and my hands just going, I can't believe this, he's mine. That, that's, that's what it means to live wonderstruck. And, and maybe you and I could even just approach the, the mundane things and see the miracle in them. Maybe you and I could see the glory in the ordinary. I truly believe God wants to bring resurrection to our routine. I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean we get to quit our job and go be monks on a hill somewhere. We still gotta pay the bills. We still gotta put food on the table. We still got um, all of the things that, that comprise our life. But what I'm saying is to live Wonderstruck is to look for God in those things because ultimately you and I, we're gonna see what we're looking for. And I think some of us have just become so disillusioned or maybe just tired that we've stopped looking for God, for signs of God in and throughout our day. God wants us to be in awe again. And a part of what we're doing here at NOAH is that you and I would look again at how God wants to get our attention. Let's pay attention and see what he has to tell us. Wow, that is a big whale. Oh my goodness this place is amazing and it's that wow factor that I'm hoping we can gain again in this Christmas season that place to stand in awe again at the might and the grandeur of our God and one of the ways that you and I can learn to live wonderstruck again is to actually take time to see the creator in creation in fact you can fill that in your first blank take the time we have to make the time to see the creator because His fingerprint is everywhere that we look and You can actually see that all throughout Scripture as you look at how God gets our attention. And of course, we're in Noah, so i got to start off with the example of Noah. And uh, when God said, I'm never going to flood the earth again, what did he do? Did he just say it? No, he showed it through a rainbow. And, And here in Hawaii, we see rainbows all the time to the point where we hardly even stop and take notice of them anymore. What if you and I started stopping again? What if we looked at every rainbow as a a reminder of that covenant that God gave Noah all the way back in Genesis chapter 9? And I love the story of of Job and, and how he'd gone through all this suffering and he had all of these questions. How did God answer his questions? He took him on a tour of creation. And it's interesting, but even in Job chapter 37, he actually shows the whole hydrological rain cycle before science even discovered how rain works. God showed Job that in creation, you can see that he's in control because certainly Job thought everything's out of control. God, do you even care about anything? And God said, let me show you what everything is going on here while you think I'm out of control. Let me show you what I'm doing. When God wanted to convince Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations, did he just say it? No, he showed it. In fact, in uh, Genesis chapter 15, he takes him outside. He says, now look, look, come out here, come out here. And he says, look up at the stars. I want you to know that your descendants are gonna be as numbered, as many as the stars. He didn't just say it. He had him go ahead and go ahead and count it, Abraham. See if you can count how many stars because that's how many people are gonna be a part of your lineage. And in fact, a few chapters later, he said, not just the stars, but the sand on the shore. Now, here in Hawaii, again, we're surrounded by a stand. At night, we're surrounded by a beautiful bed of stars. But how many of us have stopped recently to even take a look at those things? God, who showed himself then, wants to show himself again. And one of the ways that you and I can learn to live wonderstruck is to take time to see the creator in creation. And even when we look at the Christmas story, we can see that that's how God got the attention of the wise men. Or the Magi. And you can see here in Matthew chapter 2, we uh, come across these wise men that were actually in those days, they were kind of like the um, ancient scientists. They were studying the stars, which is kind of why we're hanging out here at, at Noah, because this place is filled with scientists and wise men and women that are constantly learning from nature and taking care of nature and stewarding nature. And it was in their study of the stars, they're taking time to study the stars, that God revealed revealed himself and the arrival of the Messiah. You see, there was a couple prophecies that these wise men were from the East were familiar with. The prophecy out of Numbers 24, prophecy out of Genesis 49, and they all foretold of a, a star that would be a signature or a sign in the heavens that the Messiah, that the Savior was coming. And this is exactly what they were looking for. They wouldn't have seen it had they not taken time to look for it. And the same is true with us. In Matthew 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or the wise men from the east, most think they came from Babylon, uh, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What was their heart? Were they tourists? No. No. They were coming to worship him. It started with the awe. They were wonderstruck that God would announce the arrival of the Messiah in the heavens and their natural response from being wonderstruck was what? We're gonna travel. We're gonna find this king. We're gonna bring him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. As kings, we're gonna worship the king. Wouldn't it be great if that was our response? That you and I would take time to pause and look at the creation around us and that would inspire in us worship? You know, worship doesn't have to just be when we have a nice band and and songs on on the wall. Worship should erupt from our heart because, just like the wise men, we're saying, "I see the fingerprint of God. I see that Jesus is everywhere, and that you and I would want to offer our gifts in the same way the wise men did." You know what's interesting? It took two years. They estimate at least two years before the wise men, after seeing the star, found Jesus. And and I'm wondering if you and I are so caught up in the tyranny of the urgent and the instantaneous now of our culture that we're not taking the time to understand that to be and live wonderstruck means that it's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to happen instantaneously, but that we need to seek him because we're going to see what we're looking for. What if you and I started looking for him everywhere? In fact, that's what I wanna invite us to do. We're gonna interview a couple of experts that work right here at NOAA, one in the Tsunami Warning Center and one in the Marine Biology Response Team. And as we hear their job descriptions and what it is that they do for a living here at NOAA, I want you to also hear what God wants to show you through their story and through the attention that they're paying to the creation around us. Let's go talk. to them. Thank Deputy Director Pleasure. here. I am so thankful for your time here. Um, most of us watching here, we get those texts after we hear of an earthquake somewhere. And, and we always look and we say, oh, we can breathe a sigh of relief because we don't have to worry. Now we know where those texts come from. That's you right. You guys, right here.
1: Yeah, we're the origin.
0: Oh, my goodness. We're glad you're here. You're alert and you're ready and you're keeping us safe. How, how does all this work?
1: Well, basically in, in this uh, room, we, we, there are four main activities we do. One is we analyze seismic streams that are coming in from all over the world. We monitor the oceans for sea level activity. We generate uh, tsunami forecasts when we need to, and we issue message products. So those are the four main activities. And unfortunately, there's no way to uh, predict great earthquakes in advance. Mm-hmm. So the, the only thing you can do is try to detect them as soon as possible. So we, we basically what we do is we alert on detection, and, and uh, that's, that's the of- Haywas phone going off, and um, that's one of our communication circuits. Is that it's, the president calling uh, us? Uh, no, <laughs> but that's that's state civil defense in the state civil defense operations center. Oh, okay. I, okay. And so they, they're doing this, uh, they do this a couple times a day to make sure that the Sawari warning system oh, okay. communication system is, is actually functioning. So we, we do
0: this roll call twice a day. So when we get that tsunami warning test once a month on the island, Mm -hmm. you're getting these tests all the time in here. That's right. To make sure all your systems are working. Wow, that's incredible. I know that I speak for everyone at New Hope that we sleep easier knowing that you and, uh, and so many of your...
1: Uh, we stay you know, awake at night so everybody
0: else can yeah, sleep. No, it- I am so thankful for your vigilance, Stu, oh. and thank you for taking the time to explain to us how this works and how you're keeping our island safe. David, thanks so much for Good your time. See you, Pastor John. I hope if you recognize this guy, it's because he's out under the Ohana tent, and uh, you're always welcoming people. You got the best smile. To. And you know, you just saw our interview with Stu over in the Tsunami Warning sure. Center. And, uh, and I couldn't help but think, I don't know if you thought about this too, that God is always in control. Yes. And even when other things are out of control, God's always watching. He works the night shift. I heard it it described as he was saying, he stays up so that we can go to sleep. I I, I just, I love that. And, and what we're talking about today is the, the wise men or how the magi uh, paid attention to God's creation. And in that process, we're able to be a part of uh, bringing worship to Jesus. And I see you doing the same thing here at Noah, and you're also a believer. I am. And, uh, yes. um, and you have shown your faith in, in numerous and varied ways. But show me how, uh, when you're rescuing, a whether it's a whale or a seal, show me how you do that, first of all, and then how that ties into your faith.
2: For sure. Um, so, yes, I've been blessed to be able to uh, help marine mammals, so help God's creation, basically. I've dealt with whales that have swallowed plastics to Uh, large whales that are entangled in fishing gear. So we use these big red red kegging buoys, and what we'll do is, if we see a whale with gear on it, we'll slowly sneak up on it with a combat inflatable, and uh, we'll attach these buoys to to the whale, and that will slow the whale down enough so that we can approach it, and use cutting tools very similar to this, um, very sharp implement oh, there. Don't yeah. want to put your finger in there. No, no, no. Yeah. I'll take so, your word for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so normally we're just reaching out with a pole and getting on the gear and cutting
0: okay. as close as we can to the whale. You're basically like Marine Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, with no hat, but still the coolest job ever. And and your job is to go out there and rescue God's creation. And little old you, what's that like coming, coming up to, like you're looking in the eyes of one of these massive creatures?
2: Well, it's... Um, all inspiring and, and intimidating at the yes. same time. So, so when I'm out there with the whales, I mean, they're very large. I mean, I think people understand uh, when they see pictures of whales or they might have an idea, but it, just imagine a school bus with a tail fluke. That's how big these things are. Wow. And we're, we're traveling around in a little 18 foot Zodiac. Okay, this is what you use. Yeah, this is what okay. we use and we're getting really, really close. And so um, it's both exhilarating and awe-inspiring. Yeah. So yeah, when I'm out there, I think of uh, scripture like Psalm 104, oh, yeah, which really yeah. talks about The watershed, if you look at it closely, it talks about the upper chamber, which is the atmosphere, and it talks about the different uh, animals and the birds and uh, the hyrax that that, uh, are there. And at the very end of that, we go from Malka to Makai, and it talks about the Leviathan that frolics there, which the Leviathan is the whale. It's the whale. And so I think about that scripture, about 8% of the Bible speaks directly to the fact that we are called as Christians and anybody who lives on this planet to be stewards, to tend and keep
0: and care for the environment. I love the fact that you said when you're looking at the whale, you feel small. And I think sometimes that idea of us being small and being reminded of how big our God is, that's why he wants us to take a look around and see him in the creation around us. You use these tools to set uh, whales free. God uses, I believe, one of his tools is creation itself to show us the creator. Well, thank you so much for your time here. I really appreciate it. I Thank you for serving our, our new hope, Ohana, and for serving God's creation by setting um, the small ones and the big ones free. Really appreciate it. Can we thank our own Indiana Jones right here? David Schofield, please stand up. Can we thank him, you guys? He didn't want me to use that. The Indiana Jones thing, but I'm like, come on, that's who you are. We just got to get him a fedora. That's all he needs. But uh, I, I, love, I love the example because he, he, he is at, at ready response for any emergency to set a, a uh, sea mammal free. And I'm wondering if you and I can learn from that example that you and I would understand that our God who's speaking all the time wants us to be at the ready all the time. Ever wonder why he wants you to go into that specific grocery store or pray for that person, call that person up, send them an email? It's because just as he uh, is cutting away those ropes that are are tying up these mammals from being free, God wants to use us to do the same thing. I mean, let's just go ahead and and be awestruck. Let's just go ahead and, and stand in awe that the God of the universe wants to use us to set people free in the same way where he used others to set us free. How amazing is that? I mean, that he literally wants to speak to all of us. And in fact, that's the second point here is that to live wonderstruck is to receive the word that I need. Notice I didn't say receiving the word that I want. (laughs) Come on, you guys. So where everyone in here would say, I want to hear God. If if you want to hear God, raise your hand. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes when we say we want to hear God, we want to hear God say what we want to hear Versus what we need to hear. And just think think about Mary, how much she needed a word from God. Here she was pregnant, not married. In the Jewish culture, if you were found pregnant outside of marriage, you wouldn't just be kicked out of the village. You could literally be stoned to death for that sin. Now, Joseph, being a good man, before he had the visitation from the angel, he was just going to uh, uh, separate himself quietly from Mary as to preserve her life. But, but Mary was no doubt hearing lots of talking, lots of whispering as, the, as people began to see a little baby bump began to form on her, right? And she had already planned to go visit her cousin, Elizabeth, in a few villages over because Elizabeth herself found herself um, with a miracle pregnancy, If you remember that story that precedes Jesus, Zachariah, the father, was in the temple uh, bringing offerings to God, and he said, your wife is going to bear a child. You're going to name him John. And he says, she's too old. And God says, is there anything impossible for me? And so now Elizabeth here, she's pregnant. And Mary, before she got visited by the angel, she was already planning to go, as any good family member would, to help her cousin who was with child. So just imagine that journey from Bethlehem. She was probably glad to get out of there while her belly grew because all she didn't need to hear more whispering and gossiping about who she was sleeping with or what it is she was doing. Imagine her trying to figure out how she's going to explain the fact that she was coming to Elizabeth to help her with her pregnancy and she's going to show up pregnant herself. How do you describe the indescribable? How, what, would her, what would her cousin say? Well, thankfully, Mary didn't need to say anything because God gave Mary the word that she needed right when she needed it. Look here in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in a loud voice. So it's not... Um, oh, so good to see you, Mary. Welcome into my home. No, it was like, oh my goodness, like she was literally filled with the Holy Spirit. She had a download of her prophetic word, because understand up to this point, she didn't, there's no email, there's no uh, phone calls, there's no internet. She didn't know that her cousin was pregnant with the savior of the world until she knocks on the door. And then right then, Elizabeth receives the word that is exactly what Mary needed to hear. And with a loud voice, she exclaims, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. It was almost like John the Baptist was already on the job. Even while he was in the womb, he was preparing the way. He's like, mom, this is him. (laughs) Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her, my goodness, could there have been a, a more timely word for Mary as she's hearing all the, all the gossip and the slander, hears her own cousin who affirms by a prophetic word right in the moment, you are the mother of the Savior of the world. She needed that because she, imagine she's thinking, did I make this up? How did this happen, right? And now she didn't even have to explain not only that, but she saw that God was going to go for her. Before she ever got there, God was already there. And that her own family member who was experiencing a miracle birth herself, that she was gonna be confirming. That's how you know you're receiving a word from God, the word that you need. It's confirming something God is already stirring and saying and birthing in you. But that's not the only word that Mary received. If you skip forward a little bit when Mary brought Jesus to be dedicated at the temple in Luke chapter two, Mary received another word. You see, there was a prophet there named Simeon, and he had waited all his life. He said, God, don't take me home until I get to see the Savior. And so God had let him live a long time. Mary and Joseph come in with baby Jesus, and he prophesies and says, this is the Savior of the world. But then he turns to Mary and gives her a specific word. Luke chapter 2, it's up here on the screen, not in your notes. Luke 2, 33 says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him, Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Woohoo. That's a fun one. You can imagine her thinking, um, can I get another word for my cousin? That one was a lot more encouraging and confirming. This one is rather unsettling. Uh, God's not always going to give you the word that you want, but he will always give you the word that you need. And sometimes he's going to give you a word that you don't fully understand until you get there. Believe me, these words of Simeon got Mary through the worst of times as she saw more and more persecution coming against her son, all of it coming into focus as she was there on the day that her son was dying for the sins of the world. You better believe all of Simeon's word came back as her heart is literally being torn into, as her son is being torn into, she's realizing God saw this from the beginning. 33 years ago, God was preparing this mother's heart for what her son was about about to do. Some of you are going to get a word or have already received a word that you don't fully understand, but it's preparation for what is to come. Because most of us make our decisions based on what we see. We are finite humans. We operate in time. We cannot see the next moment or the next day. But our God is infinite. He's outside of time. He knows the beginning from the end And let this be the wonderstruck moment of our life. He speaks outside of time, into time, right on time, preparing us for what's going to happen next. Can we be in awe that our God would tell us what we need to hear when we need to hear it? So Mary should have received that word from Simeon even though it was unsettling because he had a reputation. He was a prophet. What he prophesied came to pass. He was a minister in the temple. Even though it wasn't an easy word to hear, it was a strengthening word for what was to come. The word from from Elizabeth was exactly what she needed. It encouraged her and it strengthened her. And I, I just want to say all of us need to receive a word. But be careful to consider the source from which the word comes. Not everybody that's coming up to you and saying, I have a word from the Lord, is actually from the Lord. Hey, let me give you an example. Anybody out here drink Aquafina water? Some of you guys, you're like, I don't know. Should I tell them? You know, there's nothing bad about Aquafina. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but the, the label was recently changed after this article came out revealing uh, the true source. It's not the glacier, beautiful glacier mountains that you see on the label in the front. It's from the, oh, the exotic location of Latham, New York municipal water source. I don't know New York that well. Pretty sure there's no Glacier Mountains there. Anybody else, what do you you, you guys think? You realize that when it says New York municipal, it's saying tap water. Literally, the water that you get from your faucet is the same water they're putting in that bottle, but you're paying them $3 for what you could get for free to fill your own cup with. What I'm saying is consider the source, look beyond the packaging, and understand where is this word actually coming from? You and I need to make sure that we understand not every word that they're saying is from God is actually from God. It was just, in fact, a couple weeks ago that I had a man come in here and approached me after the service, and he said, I'm not from this church, and he mentioned the church he was from, but God told me to come here to give you a word. And immediately my my warning um, signs are already up because I will receive a word from someone I have a relationship with, but someone that I don't have a relationship with, I'm going to prayerfully bring that word to the Lord and not take it if it's not from God. And so he sounded very spiritual. He had the nice packaging, you know, very spiritual, led from God and all of this stuff. And he proceeded to tell me in very spiritual words how I'm doing a lousy job as a pastor and how there is a lot of sin in this church and God's going to bring judgment upon us. And I was very courteous and nice, but I spoke to him directly. And I just said, hey, first of all, I need you to understand this. There's sin in every church. You know why? Because a church, if we're doing our job, is filled with sinners who are being made righteous by Jesus Christ. So yes, there is sin in this church pretty sure there's sin in every church. Secondly, yes, I've got a lot of growing to do, but I happen to have a whole team of people that are speaking into my life. Ross was standing there, who's over our prayer team, some of our other prayer team were standing right there. I said, they're praying for me all the time, and if God says something to them, I'm gonna receive a word from them. Why? Because I have a relationship with them. I don't know you, and I also have a pastoral team around me, and we speak into each other's lives all the time. Why? Because we have relationship. I also have a senior pastor whose name is Wayne Cadero. He happens to hear from the Lord too and he has the freedom to be able to speak into my life if he sees anything going on. So I'm really thankful that you were obedient to share your word from me, but I'm gonna bring it to God and if it's not from him, I'm not going to receive it. And you and I need to do the same thing. We need to consider the source. We need to make sure that we're not being naive, that just because someone uses spiritual language and has nice packaging, that it's actually a word from God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God and the spirit of God, and it doesn't confirm something that you are already hearing from people you're in relationship with, do not receive that word. Let's not be naive. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys ever drink Avion water? You guys are like, no one's going to answer yes now. This is actually from, uh, from France, so this is a real real source here, but if you look in the, in, in backwards through the label, it actually says naive. Did you know that? Some of you guys don't believe me. You can try it after the service. It actually says naive. I don't know, naive because I'm spending $4 on a bottle of water when I can just get it out of my, and that's, that's not what I'm saying. It's First John 4 verse one says, don't be naive, dear friends. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit you must test them to see if the spirit they come, have come comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. I'm going to just say this too. There's some of us in here that are listening to the wrong advice. You're getting counsel, but it's not God's counsel. Oh, but, but John, John, it's my best friend. If your best friend is not best friends with Jesus, then do not give their words the same weight that you give his. A lot of us are listening right now to words that we want, but not words that we need. They're telling you exactly what you want to hear, but it's not what you need to hear. Oh yeah, go ahead and date that person. Oh yeah, go ahead and go to that place. Oh yeah, go ahead and buy that. Go ahead and go there. And this counsel is exactly what you want to hear, but it's not what you need to hear. Getting a little quiet in here. Why? Am I, am I hitting something? Am I hitting a nerve here? Yes, because if we are not considering the source, we will find ourselves drinking swill when we're supposed to be drinking spring water. If it doesn't line up with the word of God and the spirit of God, do not drink it. So first of all, we need to be, make sure we're not naive in thinking that everyone that says they have a word from God for us is actually from God. Second of all, we need to make sure that we're not being naive, that somehow we can get through our Christian life without receiving a word from God from other brothers and sisters. One of the greatest things about the Holy Spirit being sent to us is that all of us, just like Elizabeth, we can receive a word from God. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor. You've got Jesus inside of you. He's going to speak directly to you, right where you're at. But he also is going to speak through others to you. The reason why he calls us to a community of faith is because none of us can live out our faith alone. None of us is an island. None of us has the full counsel of God. It's why I listen very carefully to my pastors around me, my pastor over me, so that they can speak into my life. Do not be naive that somehow you have the whole counsel of God. For me, one of those pure sources that I get is Pastor and Uncle Dan Shema, who, who advised uh, Pastor Wayne from the birth of this church. Now I have the joy of meeting with him on a regular basis, and he's always speaking into my life. It's not always stuff that I want to hear, but it's definitely what I need to hear. And when I'm done talking with him, I always feel this way. In fact, you can see this scripture up here. If we could put up that picture of, right there. First Corinthians 14, three says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. When I'm done talking with Uncle Dan, I am challenged, I am strengthened, I am encouraged, and I am comforted to know that God is going to help me change. Why? Because I feel the conviction, but not the condemnation. Let me make sure you guys understand exactly what I'm saying. A word from the enemy is going to condemn you. It's gonna say, you can never change. It's gonna push you down. A word from the Holy Spirit is gonna show you where you need to change, but it's gonna show you how. He's going to show you how, and he's going to lift you up. Condemnation pushes you down and makes you feel like you're stuck right where you're at. Conviction from the Holy Spirit lifts you up and shows you the way forward. You see the difference there? Make sure whoever it is that's counseling you and speaking into your life that that is how it's leaving you feel like, yes, I'm encouraged, I'm strengthened, I'm convicted, but I'm comforted that the Holy Spirit is going to show me how to be It's why we're always encouraging you to join a small group or a life group so that you can have other men and women of God who are going along the same path as you are speaking truth into your life when you need it. Now that's fresh water that keeps us living wonderstruck and helps us with this third point here that you and I, to live wonderstruck you and I need to embrace the ministry of what if I uh, just didn't tell you the answer to this Some of you guys are, you had your pins ready. You were ready to write that down. Some of you were even at, in advance, you play this little game where you fill it in, trying to figure out what it is. I'm, I know Some of you guys some of you guys are like you think you know what it is I'm going to say? There's the answer to that blank there. Some of us are really detail-oriented. You dot every I, you cross every T. You have ledgers, you have lists, you have schedules, and if I dare not give you the third point you will not be able to rest. You will be at an unease. You will wake up in the middle of the night and cold sweats going, what was that third point? I need to know. You know who you are. And then there's some of us in here that you don't even take notes. You're like, what? What blank? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, you guys, you, you, know, you know who you are. <laughs> and often we're married to each other. That's just how, that's. How. But here's the deal. Following Christ is living life with blanks. He fills them in, not us. And he fills them in on his timing, not ours. You know what that's called? Okay, here it is. The ministry of mystery. Uh, You guys didn't figure that one out. You guys didn't guess that one. No, you didn't. The ministry of mystery is that we cannot figure God out because we are not God. So how do we respond when there are blanks left in our walking with God? When he is doing things that we don't understand. Well, Mary gives us a great example of how to live one destruct, even in the middle of questions. Verse 17 in, in, in Luke chapter 2, the uh, shepherds have just shown up after their encounter with the angels. Uh, this, these stinky hairy guys show up to the birth of her, her, her baby and she doesn't even know what they're doing there. And, and, they, and when they had seen him, they saw the baby, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, what did she do? She treasured up all these things and underline this word, pondered them in her heart, that she didn't understand what was going on. Here she is, literally the mother of the Savior, and she's got blanks left unfilled. And that's not the only time we see that language there. If you skip forward to Luke chapter 2, we see here, uh, fast forward to when Jesus was 12, uh, Joseph and Mary lost their son. Let this be an encouragement to every parent out there who at one time or another has lost your kid. You know it happens to all of us. There's that cold sweat that begins to come out and you're that panic feeling, oh my gosh, I'm a lousy parent, I don't even know where my kid is. Well, you're in good company because the mother of the Savior of the world and the father of the Savior of the world, they didn't even know where Jesus was. He was in the temple, they find him. He says in verse 49, why are you searching for me? He asked. didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? In verse 50, No one one ever quotes this verse, but for me, it's a great comfort. I I live in in verse 50. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Anyone ever experienced that? You're following Jesus, and you don't understand what he's trying to say. Come on, can I get an amen in the house? You do understand that this is not a science, right? Following Jesus is not a science. That's why it's called faith, not formula. Even the parents of the Savior of the world, it's in red, and they still don't got a clue what it is that he's saying. Be encouraged. If you're feeling like a clueless Christian, there's a reason for it. How do we respond? The same way Mary did. Look at this, verse 51. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured. What did she do? treasured. It's the same word as pondered in the previous verse. She treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That word treasuring or pondering is the Greek word sanbalusa. And it means to place things together for comparison. Now this is not in the Greek mindset. Many of us think in the Greek mindset. The Greek mindset is linear. We like lists. We like rules. We like laws, everything, linear. The Hebrew mindset, which is how Mary is responding to these mysteries of God, is very circular in thinking. Narrative, pictures, stories. So she's taking these pieces of what's being said and she's putting together a picture It's not linear, it's not filling in the blanks, it's a discovery and an adventure of faith. You see the two different ways. A lot of us are approaching God from a Greek mindset and we need him to fill in the blanks, we need him to give us the plans, we need him to lay it all out clear, but he's coming at us from a Hebrew mindset and he's saying, I will give you the next piece and the picture's almost like when when you put together a puzzle. We love doing puzzles this time of year, my family and I, I don't know how it works for you, but when I pour out the puzzle pieces, they don't all just fall into place. Right? The point of a puzzle is patience and perseverance and matching the picture. Right? So you start, you start on the edges and then you set the colors into place and, and little by little, remember that Greek word is comparing the pieces. Begin to take the pieces and comparing them with the big picture and pretty soon they start fitting together and they start beginning to form the picture. Mary takes the word from uh, her cousin Elizabeth and And she takes the word from Simeon and takes the words from the shepherds and then she takes the word from Jesus and she begins to put these together and, and by the time she's at the foot of the cross and seeing her son, the Savior of the world, the picture is beginning to match what it is that God wanted her to see all along. Did she have the whole picture when she was going through it? No, and neither will we. But if we respond the way Mary did and we are awestruck, we are wonderstruck, we are willing to go ahead and let God show us in the mystery of his timing, then guess what? We will see what we need to see when we need to see it. We won't see the whole picture, but when we put him first, we will know what's next. And slowly but surely, he begins to bring all that picture forward, and we begin to see that we're stepping into the purposes and the plan and the design of God. And for some of us to be wonderstruck, We just have to admit right now, I am frustrated that God hasn't given me the whole plan. And some of us have stopped talking to him altogether. And today is going to be the day where you're going to receive the next piece because you're going to realize, you know what, when it comes down to it, I'm glad I serve a God of mystery. I don't want a God that I can control. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. He is high above anything that I understand or comprehend, and yet he still invites me into his plan. I don't know about you, but I don't want a God that I can tell what to do, sometimes a try. And it never is a good idea to tell God what to do. It's always a much better idea to let him tell me what to do. You see, if we don't have the mystery of God, then we begin to claim mastery over God as if he belongs to us instead of the other way around. We lose our dependency on God, missing the intimacy with God that Jesus came to bring us in the first place by coming and taking on our skin then we end up losing the whole beauty of this relationship that calls us every single day. I just, I need to come in close to God because I don't see the whole picture. God, I just need today's picture. I just need the peace for today. Let me compare that with what it is you've shown me leading up to today so that I can know how I'm moving forward. Is he just being cute? Is he being coy? No, he's inviting us into a relationship because he knows none of us are ready for the whole plan. The only one who's ready for the whole plan is guess who? God Himself. You know what He knows we're ready for today? The next piece, the next step. And some of us are going to receive that today. Why? Because we stopped. If, you, if your holiday season is anything like mine, it is nonstop. I'm driving and dropping the kids off. I've got lists of things, you know, Greek mindset, lists of things that I need to check off and do. And sometimes God needs to make it really obvious to me in order for me to see the next piece. And so there I was at the stoplight and I look up and I see just this beautiful image of the, the sun breaking through the clouds. And I believe this is a prophetic picture of what he's gonna do in this moment right here. There's the stoplight. That's God's word to you saying, it's time to start living one destruct. And there's the sun breaking through. That's him about to show you your next piece, your next step. He's about to, about to bring comfort, and strengthening through a word from God. And part of how I want to invite you to hear a word from God is I'm going to invite my, my prayer team. They've been praying for this moment. We've got a prayer station on the left and the right as well as at the top in the mezzanine. And I would like to invite our prayer team to make their way to these stations right now because God is going to speak a word to you. If you guys can go ahead and stand right where you are. Everybody go ahead and stand. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes as we as we prayed over this service, God gave me a couple puzzle pieces. I'm not sure whose puzzle they fit, but if any of this bears witness to you, if anyone, any of this sounds like something that might connect with what you're going through, I would encourage you to make sure you stop by a prayer station before you go today. One was a, a picture of a single mother who was like pulling out her hair because she was trying to get dinner ready for the kids, and one was screaming, one was spilling, In the meantime, she's trying to think of how she can create a special moment for Christmas and she feels like a complete failure all across the board and the Lord wants to speak to that mom. If you're in here today or watching online right now, that where you are weak, he is strong. You can't do it all, but he can and I want to encourage you to give prayer today. Another picture that God showed me was a man that was coming home after a long day at work. You've been taking extra hours to be able to make ends meet and hopefully get a couple presents under the tree, but you are grieved and you feel condemned and guilty because you're missing your kids. You're not even being a part of it. You're not seeing them in the morning and you're not seeing them at night. And so you're working hard, but you feel like you're missing out. And the Lord is going to begin to show you right now how to first of all take that guilt off your shoulders but second of all to be able to show you how you can balance out your schedule so you can both make a living but let him be your provision. There was a college age student you're not even looking forward to Christmas because you feel like you're going to be all alone. And the Lord wants you to look around right now and notice he has placed you smack dab in the middle of a family. None of us are perfect but we are here because we love you and you don't have to be alone. And this morning, as I prayed for this service, God gave me one more picture. And there was a mom looking in the rearview mirror at her kids in the back of the car. And your heart was breaking because you knew that they don't know Jesus yet. And there's a, a mom's heart that's breaking and wondering if they're gonna come to know Jesus. And you're doing everything that you can, but it doesn't seem like they're getting there. And the Lord wants to know that He's you to know that He's heard your prayer. And if that's you come into agreement prayer with one of our prayer stations today and let's call those children in in the name of Jesus God we just thank you that you say exactly what we need to hear and we just receive your word maybe it's going to be through creation that we're going to stop and be wonderstruck. struck God maybe it's going to be through seeking out a relationship God with a brother or a sister and receiving the word that we need a confirmation of what you're doing Maybe it's just going to be in this fresh moment of surrender, God, where we surrender the pieces and we give you the frustration and the places where we feel like we don't know what's going to happen next. But God, we put you first. We put you first and we stand in awe that you would come for us, that you would die for us, that you would call us so that we can hear you every day of our lives and follow you from this day forward. In your mighty name, Jesus, pray and thank you. And all God's people said... Amen. Can we give him glory, you guys? Thank you, Lord.